This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, February 13th, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. A new rule governing lead in children's products, even with the dramatic effects it may have on some markets, seems like a pretty easy sell. After all, there is no lobby on behalf of harming kids with lead-laced products. But even with the threat posed by lead, and certainly for chemicals with less clearly established risks, is a ban always the best government response? Peter Van Doren, editor of Regulation Magazine and Cato Institute Senior Fellow, comments. Effective this week, to be precise, February 10th, uh, the Consumer Product Safety Commission is charged with implementing this law, and the rules go into effect on February 10th. They mandate that any toy intended for the use by someone 12 years of age or under be tested to not contain more than 600 parts per million of lead and not contain any of some plastic substances called phthalates, which are used as a to harden certain kinds of plastics, in particular uh, baby bottles is one uh, particular place where they tend to be used. From the government perspective, there are two ways to deal with lead or phthalates. Lead is uh, an easy sell in terms of its... uh, its risks, they're widely known. Uh, they're very damaging. There's nothing you can do about it. So it's easier to make a case for uh, government regulation of uh, preemptive contents. But what about uh, something where the where this is not quite really settled? Uh, well, even, even regardless of whether it's settled, I mean, the society has two choices about all all sorts of damages. One is ex ante, one is prevention. We should never let that happen before the fact. Or two is we can let things happen and then let and then figure out damages subsequent to that. And if we assign damages appropriately, in turn, through game-theoretic thinking ahead, right, through backwards induction, uh, actors in society who know damages would be assigned ex post in turn don't do things ex ante knowing that they would face damages, although that it depends on the certainty of punishment and the probability of being uh, caught, if you will. So even for a known harm like lead, we could have the common law tort system, in theory, deal with damages exposed. So children who are exposed to lead in toys could in turn sue the manufacturer, et cetera, et cetera. And and our listeners quickly can realize why that might have difficulties because uh, parents might not know that there's lead in the toys. I mean, the, the whole tort system depends on you know that you've been hurt. And for exposure to chemicals that, that result in long-term, lifelong uh, issues of intelligence or whatever. I mean, how do you know why Johnny isn't that smart? Uh, it could have been that bad genetics or bad education, or in turn, he was exposed to lead as a, as a child. So working through the tort system as a way to deal with exposure to lead, you kind of run into what we call the transaction cost problem. And you might think of a ban on lead exposure to children as being a more optimal, uh, even from a libertarian point of view, um, policy. Compliance with an ex-ante regulation imposes costs all the way across the board, whether or not it's widely agreed that it's a good thing or not. Well, last summer, there was universal agreement among editorial writers. I mean, I looked through some editorials today. The New York Times, of course, you would suspect would, they were in praise of this law and saying it's about time that we crack down on 
on the loopholes that toy manufacturers uh, enjoy. <clears throat> but everyone thought that it, it was a good thing. You shouldn't have lead in, in toys uh, because uh, kids would suffer neurological damage. But turning what seems to be a good concept in practice, well, how do you how do you regulate thousands and thousands, and in fact millions of decentralized um, manufacturers? Well, at the time the law was passed, you just think about big companies. Well, in fact, it turns out lots of mom and pop operations make toys and use zippers and lead be or beads from China, which they're not sure whether those objects do or do not contain lead. So now there's a small business uproar saying they should be exempt or, or there should be some kind of uh, hold harmless provision so they don't have to figure all this out. From an economist's point of view, this is just a realization or a, 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 an example of compliance with regulation increases the fixed costs of operation. And in turn, that restricts entry, right? And so you now need to be a rather large company with a legal staff and a testing regime in place in order to, to comply with the law. Now, from a libertarian perspective, you could say, aha, we have an answer to that. But in fact, all parents of, of any reasonable uh, benevolence towards their children would not want their children exposed to lead in their toys. So how could parents in turn ensure that this did not take place? And the answer is, we need a testing regime. So notion, notice that even in a market world, I think you'd come around to third-party certification of some sort, even if it's voluntary. And the fact that it's voluntary doesn't make it free. So there still would be this fixed cost problem, which in turn would make small mom-and-pop toy companies face rather large costs when it came to certifying that the things they use in the manufacture of their toys uh, um, were okay from a lead point of view. So it's it's not just that the government is making people do it, and in turn that's the problem, but rather reasonable consumer demands for knowledge actually impose fixed costs on firms of all sort, and there's and in some sense there's no way around it. With a large regime of government regulation that exists but does not have a specific rule banning lead, again, you're left with consumers who may reasonably assume that what they go out and buy in the store is perfectly safe, absent a regulation saying that it must be. So they may have that false sense of security while believing in the regime that is out there. In previous conversations I've had with you, I've talked about um, how in a, in, a, in a world where people come to assume and accept that government protects them from things, everyone has less reason to think about things. Firms have less reason to assure consumers of what's going on. And consumers have less reason to even look around about signs of assurance. Um, the the peanut salmonella example, right, that's coming up this week. Notice that this week in the newspapers, um, Jif, uh, sorry, Smuckers, the Smuckers Corporation, and um, some others that are name brand peanut companies that that have vertically integrated sources of supply. In other words, they own from peanut to peanut butter, if you will, they were forced to go out in the newspapers and print ads and say, we're, not, we're different. We're, we're, not, we're not subject to the same, um, we're not part of this peanut corporation of America market chain. So notice that's actually a good thing. I mean, notice that even for things like lead, um, 
where, well, it's not that libertarians believe that some kids ought to be exposed to lead and it ought to be their parents' right to do that. That's not what we're arguing. But rather, you don't realize, even the most um, uh, pro-child person doesn't realize that having a government regime that ensures that lead doesn't occur actually still suppresses um, brand differentiation, and it, it suppresses firms taking more responsibility for the quality of their own products, and in turn developing brand names and other kinds of testing schemes or, or uh, you know, their own version of consumer reports that would, that has more value, if you will, than a kind of understaffed, overwhelmed Consumer Product Safety Commission, which is, as you know, it's probably like the SEC, and we know they've been underfunded, and we know that I mean, not from our point of view, but in fact, the set of people in the CPSC that that are there, given their list of tasks, given their list of tasks, they they can't possibly do all the good things they're supposed to do. So, right now, they have to tell, in effect, assure consumers that thousands and thousands of toy companies all have certified that, in fact, they have a program in place to make sure that lead doesn't get into the toys. And we know that there'll be cracks in that, and that it it it. That there won't be enough staffers to somehow figure out whether that's true or not. In the case of these uh, chemicals that are the hardening agents within plastics that I, I guess are found in uh, Nalgene bottles and others, people are still drinking out of Nalgene bottles. The public is not all that concerned yet about the threat posed by uh, this chemical. How ought we to think about risks that are not that clear? Well, that's first, let me talk about the politics, which is the, the fact that the bill last summer included the lead thing, which is certain, and the phthalate thing, which is much more a concern of environmental activists and some scientists rather than universal agreement on that. Um, I think the activists understood that the lead problem was real and they needed to attach this more controversial thing to the bill and then see whether the president would have um, the intestinal fortitude to veto this kind of thing. And of course, he did not. Uh, his capital was about zero last summer. So so we have this bill that does an obvious thing with lead and then much more controversial thing with phthalates. And again, I would re- go back to our discussions of pooling versus separating equilibria. So in, in situations of disagreement, you want firms to provide different kinds of products at different prices with different kinds of certifications and with different kinds of testing programs because we aren't in agreement on, on, on this. And you want to let, in effect, the marketplace have a, um, a rigorous fight, if you will, about claims and counterclaims and virtue and, and lack of virtue. And um, if, if the, the phthalate-free products are higher priced and, and all of that, but they supply a testing regime that certifies that they're phthalate-free and some people want that, that's, that's okay. I don't, I don't see any problem with that. For, for um, I mean, the issue of exposing children to lead, I think nobody wants to say that's, that parents ought to gamble on that issue. But on the phthalate um, issue, I think there's reasonable disagreement among informed people about this issue. And thus, in effect, a ban which has occurred is, is, is a, a kind of scary realization of the precautionary principle that we've talked about in, in some of the previous discussions we've had. Cato Institute Senior Fellow Peter Van Doren is editor of Regulation Magazine. You can subscribe to Regulation at Cato.org.